0: Right, one day when I finished work, went home. And uh, Sarah, my wife, had written a song. The song is called The Battle Belongs to the Lord. It's a really good song. It really touched me. It really gave me goosebumps when I was listening to it. And I was thinking, this is so good. And then that week, Barry says, would you like to teach again? Hmm. <laughs> I, I went home and opened the Bible and Started praying and thinking, Lord, probably you don't want me to say anything. He says, yes, yes, I want to. But what? I was struggling. What do I say? And just constantly into my head, the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we are going through the book of Samuel, first Samuel with the kids in Sunday school and the life of David and so many things that happened thinking okay Lord I will try and bring few things together and see see what you have to say today and as I was preparing I was putting so many things in and Lord saying no don't say that and don't say this and bring it just so let's see what the Lord has to say. But I was if you could turn with me to the book of first Samuel chapter seventeen. There are about three verses I'd like to to read to start with. It's verses forty five to forty seven. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the, the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. Now, David, as a young man, he didn't really, I don't believe he was going to to fight Goliath. He even had no idea what's going to happen. Jesse, his father, suggests that he takes some bread to his brothers and some cheese for the captains because the three older brothers of uh, David were fighting in the army along Saul, King Saul. And uh, as he goes there, this champion comes out, this Goliath. He was very, very big. And uh, in Sunday school, most of you have seen the the picture that we had approximately. (laughs) So, David sees him, and nobody was able to face him, because Goliath was challenging the troops, the Israelites' army, saying, find me a man that will fight me. And whoever wins the battle, me or him, the whole camp will be the winner. But nobody was brave enough to go. Not even Saul, the the tallest, the strongest, the king, he was scared to go, and David is the one that goes. But when David spoke to Saul, trying to convince Saul to let him go because he was a young man, he wasn't nowhere near to be Goliath match, he tells Saul that when I was looking after sheep and a lion or a bear would come and snatch a lamb, I would go after them and take it from them. And if the bear or the lion would turn against me, I would grab them by the chin and kill them. So I killed the bear and I killed the lion. And Saul, looking around, seeing that nobody else was really (laughs) willing to do anything, says, Okay, may the Lord be with you. And David goes, but when he goes in front of uh, Goliath, he says those words. He doesn't tell him that. Because as he goes to Goliath, Goliath is really, he thinks, What are you doing? Who are you? Tiny young boy coming in front of me here. Don't you know that I'm a champion? I, I always win. And uh, he says to David, you're coming to me with a, with a stick. Do you think I'm a dog? But David didn't say to him, look, I really am a tough man. I am young, but hey, I have killed a lion and a bear. And that is just trying to save a few lambs. You think that you're going to be strong? And, well, David didn't say any of that. David says, look, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. So, as we know, David wins. He wins. He kills Goliath. And you think, that's really good because David won the battle. Israelites won the battle. That's it. But David was getting stronger and stronger because he had his faith and Lord, and that didn't please Saul so Saul wasn't very happy that David was getting strong, one day as they were coming back, fighting the Philistines and all the the, the women from all the, the cities of the Israelites they came out and they started singing a song now that was a very famous song, he had two lines, I know because it is in the Bible I can't put a tune to that but I can read it to you <laughs> I can even tell you. Uh, As they were coming, the ladies started singing with all the musical instruments and saying that Saul has slain his thousands. And you can imagine Saul there, the king, strong there, saying, oh, yeah, that's me. Of course I killed my thousands. But he didn't know that there was another line in the song. And the other line was, and David killed his ten thousand. And that made Saul. Saul got angry and he got miserable and he got jealous that he did not know what to do. Because at this point Saul is not anywhere near walking with the Lord. And that evil spirit would go upon him. And the only way to calm him down was David to play his harp. Because he was, David was always playing and worshiping the Lord. And that would calm Saul down. But that day, the next day after this song, nothing but calms David down. So as he was standing there listening to David, laying harp, Saul had his spear in his hand. He took the spear and threw at David, saying, I will pin David to the wall. It's harsh. It's only a song, Saul, after all. A little bit of anger and a little bit of jealousy and a little bit of things that don't go your way, it make us really, really bad. Especially when we are not anywhere near having a relationship with the Lord. And that, uh, if I was to to say, okay, stop reading there, my mind would straight away would say, it would go, okay, David throw the spear. Now. David, it's Saul throw the spear. Sorry. I would have thought David grabbed the spear went to Saul look at him in his eyes and say look didn't I tell you that I killed a lion didn't I tell you that I killed a bear did you see what I did to Goliath how dare you throw this to me because if you throw at me you miss I don't miss kill him (laughs) David didn't do this and that wasn't the only time that Saul did that. He did, it says that he escaped, David escaped twice, and later on he does it again. His soul is nowhere near trusting in the Lord, taking everything into his hands, and he wants to put things right so he would be the winner, so he would be in the center of attention, he would be the king, he would be the one. And he started throwing spears. And that could happen to me. That could happen to us. Things don't go our way. We think, right, this is the time where we start throwing spears. Somebody says something, throw them spears. Somebody does something we don't like. Well, I've got to show them what I'm made of. And we start throwing spears at others. We damage them. But the trouble is when we start doing that, it's really difficult to stop. As we know, Saul couldn't stop, because his son Jonathan—he was the one that—he was was David's best friend—and he tries to calm down his dad. And we read in chapter twenty of the first Samuel, verses thirty-two and thirty-three. And Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said to him, Why should he be killed? What has he done? Then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him, by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. His own son comes along. Saul can it because he's used to having his way. He throws a spear into his son. He tries to kill his own son. He doesn't stop there. He carries on, and people that have nothing to do with it get hurt. And we see that what happened to the to the uh, Ahimelech. Just finding the <laughs> the verses. Yeah, it is chapter twenty two. We pick up uh, on verse eighteen. The yeah, first book of Samuel. 22, 18. And the king said to Doeg, You turn and kill the priest. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck the priest and killed on that day 85 men who were linen ephod, also knob the city of the priest. He struck with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys, and sheep with the edge of the sword. So what happened? David was... Running away from Saul, he goes to Ahimelech uh, and uh, he takes the showbread. He doesn't tell him that he's running from, from Saul, from King Saul. So Ahimelech doesn't know anything. He gives him the the showbread and the sword of Goliath. But there was this man, Doeg, Doeg an Edomite. And he sees everything that happens. And when he goes back to Saul, as Saul was complaining and feeling sorry for himself that nobody likes me and everybody's against me, even my own son, he says, "Hang on, King, because there is some good news." That's what happened. David went and did that in, Goth. Uh, in uh, not in, uh, in the city of Nob. And the, they get killed. Saul kills them all because they helped David. And the the danger when we start taking things into our hands, we end up doing things that are not from the Lord. They are not good. David would not harm Saul at all. The first time, he didn't grab the spear. He didn't do anything. And Saul threw the second time the spear towards David. See, I was thinking always of that saying, fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me twice. <laughs> Shame on you. I was thinking maybe the second time, the second spear comes to, towards David, David would take that and finish Saul off. But David didn't do it again. And the third time, and still, David wouldn't do it. Why, why wouldn't David just do it? I'm just going to read a little bit of... Uh, well, bit more from chapter 24 of uh, chapter 24 of First uh, Samuel. And I'm going to start from verse one, and I'm going to read all the way to verse 22. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, "Take note, David is in the wilderness." Of Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the man of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver you enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it, as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words, and did not allow them to rise against Saul and Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David also rose afterwards, went out of the cave, and called out to Saul, saying, "My Lord, the king." And when Saul looked behind him, David stood with his face, stooped with his face to the earth, and bowed down and David said to Saul. Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks your harm. Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Now know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you. Yet you hunt me you hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge on me avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you, as the proverb of the ancient says Wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A flea? Therefore let the Lord be judge and judge between you and me, and see and plead my case, and deliver me out of your hand. So it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And so lifted up his voice and wept. Then he said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt well with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now I know indeed that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Therefore, swear not to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me, and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. So David swore to Saul, and Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the strongholds. David wouldn't touch Saul because Saul was the anointed of the Lord. David understood that if the Lord had put Saul there, there was a purpose. And if the Lord had put him there, the Lord would know when would be the time to take Saul out of his position. David would not do something that the Lord wouldn't lead him to do. David wasn't perfect, by the way. But he did something, he knew something, he knew someone, he knew the Lord. And that's why David is the man after God's heart. But just being just seeing David's patience there, I I see when when Saul is speaking to him and saying, Surely you are more righteous than I am it's it's, it's amazing because David could have killed him, but he didn't. Now the enemy, now Saul, the angry, jealous guy, sees that actually the one that is relying on the Lord is more righteous than Saul himself. And really, the patience that David had not to kill him really paid off just by hearing these words, I believe. But David knew that he can't take revenge. He can't do things on his own way. Yeah. Romans twelve nineteen, beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. I was just thinking as as I was going through through David and all this troubles that he's going through. Goliath, Saul, I was thinking of Joseph. Joseph was really a character that would not fight back. And as we know, he he went through some pits and through some markets. (laughs) His brothers put him in the pit. They sold him to Ishmaelites. Working for Potiphar gets accused falsely. That is Joseph. (laughs) And uh, he ends up in prison, and then prison gets forgotten and ignored by the chief butler. And then he becomes prime minister of Egypt. I think, ta-da, time for Joseph to put things right. Mr. Fati, come over here. <laughs> All his brothers, when they go there, he had the chance to do anything he wanted, really. But he didn't, he didn't do any of that. And when Jacob dies, his brothers get really scared. They get terrified. They say, this is it. It was our father's favorite son. Now, because father is dead, this is a time where David surely will do what most men would. But uh, David didn't. And in Genesis chapter 15, Joseph says something really, really incredible it says when his, brother, his brothers went to him falling down before his face, he says, Do not be afraid, for I am ever am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So we, have, we, have, we might have troubles and things that we go through. We might have a Goliath in front of us as a sword, Or we might have a soul with a spear coming towards us. But these are things that the Lord puts in our way to shape us and to build our characters. To make us what the Lord has started in us. Because what he has started, he will finish. And the things that trouble us, don't fight them back. If somebody just doesn't say good morning to us, doesn't really... Matter that much, and maybe you might say, But you don't know, my boss is a really, really hard, harsh man. I have to work for him every day, or my colleagues around, or my next door neighbors, or my relatives, or whoever may be. They are not our enemies. The battle belongs to the Lord, and we are not to fight them. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against. The rules of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's Ephesians 6.12. So uh, the best example would be how we would treat somebody that really is not nice to us. The way Jesus treated Judas in Matthew, in the book of Matthew, is in, the, in Matthew 26, verse 50, 50 I believe. Jesus is in the garden there. He knows that the hour is coming. He knows that he's going to die on the cross for our sins. He knows that he's taking the whole punishment upon his shoulders. And Luke says that his sweat was drops of blood. Trying to talk to, to the disciples saying, keep praying because the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. And that's when Judas approaches him with all his armies of high priests and whoever was there with him and Jesus says friend why have you come now if I was translating the Bible I would say this word shouldn't be friend here by the way should be traitor that's the the nicest I could come with but uh, if you allow me a few more words I would add to them but definitely not friend Jesus calls him a friend another chance Judas it's amazing. We, 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 struggles. we struggle every day and we see things going on around us and we get so focused trying to figure things out. But the truth is that the Lord is in control and he knows everything. He just wants us to obey him, to follow him. Uh, just a quick story came up, just out into my head, <laughs> of uh, Peter walking on the water says, Lord, ask me to come, and Jesus says, come, and Peter starts walking, and of course he looks around and he sings, Lord, save me, and Jesus grabs his hand and takes, pulls him up. I was talking to a, a young African guy at work, he, he lost his brother back in Africa, he can't go back, and he, he's struggling, bless him, he doesn't look, but and I was sitting next to him, And it just... Peter popped into my head. I just said to him, look, I told him all the story of Peter walking on the water. And I said, my friend, this is the same for you today. By the way, he's a Muslim guy. He said, if you ask this Jesus, he will stretch his hands the same as he did for Peter and will grab you and hold you. And he listened to the whole story. And then afterwards he started speaking to me. And it is a bad bit because I didn't understand the word he said. Accent thing, sorry. <laughs> I come from a different country. comes from a different country. He said something. But then I was thinking, Lord, why didn't I understand him? Because that's what, this would have been really good point to start a conversation. And just later when I went home, I realized that that was what he needed to hear. It wasn't me trying to Show him how clever I am, how much I know, how much I can tell him. That wasn't. He just needed to hear those words, the word from the Lord, and leave, it, leave him there with that. But yeah, the battle belongs to the Lord. It is not ours. Now, as you all know, me coming from Kosovo, there was a war in Kosovo. I am not going to go on about the war, because if I start speaking about the war, <laughs> it goes on and on. So I'm going to try and just explain a little bit of the last moments of it. Now, it was Serbians against Kosovans. I am a Kosovan. We were the weak ones running away from the strong army of Serbia. We had to leave our houses. We had to run away trying to take cover and trying to find shelter anywhere. And at the end, it it came about to be in a big valley surrounded by mountains, but the enemy knew where, the, where we were, so as we were right in the middle there, they surrounded those mountains with tanks and armored vehicles and guns, and they they were just climbing, and they were approaching to the top, and the noise of shooting and grenades and bombs, and it's just dreadful. We were right in the middle, and We couldn't really look around, which way do we run out now, which way way do we run away now, because there was no way, any way, anywhere to run away. As they were coming closer, the noise gets bigger. The heart keeps pumping more thoughts in your mind. You don't even think of so many things that we think daily. Those thoughts are not really, they are irrelevant. They don't count the thoughts that come to your mind then or came to my mind, then were how would it feel when a bullet hits me? Is it going to kill me straight away? Am I going to be just injured? Is it going to be a grenade falling on me? Am I going to be dead? Am I going to survive? Are they going to catch me alive? Maybe chop my head off? I don't know. What is is going to happen? Because there was no way of escape. And with me, I had my parents, my dad was poorly, couldn't really do much, my mom and my sisters. And then you look at them and you think, and what is going to happen to them? In front of my eyes, the enemy is going to get them. It's, it's, are they going to be killed in front of me, treated badly in front of me? Or how, it, how all of this is going to end up? Because the hope of salvation was gone there was no hope no way we would escape that as those thoughts come into your head your heart just melts down the enemy approaches up and that's when we heard an even louder noise of those NATO planes bombing the Serbian army around us and then they retreated and they gave up they left us live they didn't kill us they didn't they didn't come at all And if you ask me, and how did you feel then? I tell you there is no word that I can explain really. Not in English, not in my own language. (laughs) You can't describe that. But thinking of it just brings to mind that the title of Jesus from Hebrews the captain of our salvation. That's what Jesus did for us. That is just an illustration maybe a real event, but what Jesus did for us, it's even more, because he loved us to death, he died for us, he didn't bomb anybody, he killed, he, he volunteered his own self, to die for us, and during that time, in, in the war, my sisters, two of them are Christians, one of them, was praying, Lord, she would say, I don't know if your name is Allah, or Muhammad, or Jesus, or... I don't know. But whoever you are, please, save us. Save us. See us through this. And I will find you, and I will follow you. And it has happened that my sister found that Savior after the war, together with me and another sister. And that Savior savior that saved us there. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the one that saves. He is the captain of our salvation. He sees us through. You see, in in the war, normally what happens, people sent, you know, the politicians sitting there, and they sent people to fight, soldiers around. Jesus doesn't do things this way. The captain of our salvation, he went himself. He defeated the death, and he conquered the grave. We have an empty tomb and we have a resurrected king, and that's Jesus, our Savior. So we, we can choose to be David or to be Saul in our lives with our troubles and problems, or we can just put our trust in the captain of our salvation, in the author of salvation, in Jesus. So I pray that we do the, this last thing. follow this captain because he won't send us to war because the war is finished. He has won. So, this is the message today. Let's just pray. Dear Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you speak to us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you see us through, Lord, our difficulties. You see us through, Lord, whatever we go through. Just be with us, Lord. And remind us, Lord, that you are the captain. You are the author of salvation. Just may we always rely on you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for that, Ilya. It's a really powerful message. And, you know, just there, as city is speaking, you know, some of us here have got various battles going on. Some of us have got loved ones that are sick. The battle belongs to the Lord. You know, some of us have got other challenges various other areas of our lives well the battle belongs to the lord you know uh, many of us have been praying for a long time for loved ones that don't yet know him the battle belongs to the lord again thank you for that god bless you all let's uh, go and have some refreshments together and uh, pray that god watches over and blesses you as you walk with him through this week